You're listening to Thrive, where every week we have meaningful conversations with incredible women like you, packed with practical tips and sisterly advice to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday gal who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. I'm your host, Erica Gwynn, and I'm ready to thrive together. Here's today's episode. Welcome back to Thrive. We hear about therapy for your life or coaching for your business, but what about when your business needs therapy? Licensed social worker and business therapist, Nicole Lewis-Kieber is here to connect the dots, going beyond your basics in money mindset to unpack some of the deeper rooted beliefs and yes, even traumas that may be impacting and defining your current views of and relationship with money. In today's action-packed episode, she lays out some limiting beliefs you might be carrying, breaks down money caps to break through unintentional earnings feelings, and gives us simple steps that anyone can take, yes, even you, to have a more positive relationship with money today. It's time to stop faking it till you make it and start owning it till you grow it in your life and your bank account. Drop this episode five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Yay, I'm so happy you reached out. We were just talking. We have a common connection at good old Wharton, <laughs> um, but also a common connection from like our where we've lived before because we've both been become very familiarized with good old Lancaster, Pennsylvania and the yeah. Amish country. <laughs> nothing, nothing like driving by and seeing a good old horse and buggy on a Tuesday afternoon, right? <laughs> it's so true. I still get quite a little giddy feeling about it when I see, you know, Amish farmers out with their team of horses or, you know, mules out in the, the field or a little Amish buggy goes by. I'm just still, it's it's still very quaint and it, it gets me in the fields. And I, even though I've lived here for more than 10 years. I know it never really gets old. It's always, especially when you've come from like a concrete jungle or city life, and then mm -hmm. you see that and it's such a stark contrast. It's yeah. kind of cool. <laughs> it is. Philly to Lancaster, big change. <laughs> oh, like a different world. <laughs> but I know you are a uh, licensed clinical social worker. You're a business therapist. And today we're chatting all about some super fun things, mental health and business ownership and all about money mindset which some folks might have never heard of before, or maybe some people now are like, ooh, give me all the dollars. So mm -hmm. before we just hop right into it, can you kick us off by telling us a little bit more about you? Yeah, thanks. Um, so as you said, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, which is not something you often see connected with business <laughs> coaching or anything like that. Um, but I just quick, quick and dirty story. Um, I was a therapist, actually. I was in the therapeutic capacity most of my career for about 18 years before um, I burnt out, which is what happens, I think, in a lot of service-based um, industries. Uh, because the systems around us don't teach us to take care of ourselves. Um, and so I ended up leaving and wanted to do something to still work with people, but in a really different way, as opposed to a mandated way or like a crisis driven way a lot of the time. Um, and I ended up working with my own life coach for a little while. Um, and I really enjoyed the coaching dynamic. And so I jumped in to get a certification in money mindset coaching. And what became very clear to me very quickly 
um, and working with my clients, which the majority were small business owners or entrepreneurs, but there were also people who, you know, were um, you know, career professionals, um, was that the majority of the people who were talking to me, they were addressing that they had a money mindset challenge, but it really wasn't a mindset issue. It, and all the tips and tricks, you know, the books that they'd read around money mindset or any of the, you know, law of attraction stuff that people talk about, um, it really wasn't working for them. And they were, of course, feeling bad about themselves because, hey, now this thing's not working for me. And what we recognized um, early because of my background as a clinician was that this was not mindset. This was a trauma response that they were having, that their money was deeply connected to, to traumatic experiences that they had as children, um, either in their family or um, in their lens of the world or if just specifically to themselves. And so as I started to recognize that, wow, you know, if... Um, you know, trauma can be tr connected to your money and play out that way. Where else could it play out? And I began to research and study the impact of childhood trauma on entrepreneurship and business ownership and have developed a career talking about this topic and helping people explore how seemingly insignificant childhood experiences that maybe you don't think would be um, you know, under the definition of trauma um, actually do impact your motivation to start a business your uh, relationship that you build with that business and how you run that business. And you can pick that up and also put it over on the motivation to pick the career that you did, the relationship that you have with your job um, and how you work on a daily, a day-to-day -day basis. And people aren't looking for childhood trauma in those places. So it's been an interesting career journey. For sure. And such cool dot that you've already connected for people. So right off the bat, now I have to know, can you give us some examples of what might be what most people might at first glance be like, oh, that's a money mindset thing that actually might be rooted in trauma instead. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that um, I saw a lot um, and I continue to see is difficulty in, let me see, how do I phrase this? difficulty in owning value. You know, it's, it's one thing to work for someone else and then to say, hey, this is how much you can make. Right. Maybe you might get a raise. Maybe you can negotiate a little bit on the front end of it. Um, and there's this assumption that if you did really well in a corporate setting or, you know, working for someone else, that you could then take those skill sets and start your own business and that you would thrive in the same way. Right. Not always the case, because there's something very different about valuing yourself and putting a price tag on yourself and what you do in that situation. And so what I, I see a lot is that there's this difficulty in valuing that person's you know, contribution. So it could look like pricing in a way that supports the vision that you have for your business. It could be um, not feeling comfortable, you know, leveraging your time. So there's because if you've had childhood trauma where someone has wounded you around your value and how you feel about yourself, when it comes down to you putting a price tag on you and your own value, there's a real, there's a real disconnect there. So there's a challenge in, you know, people always say charge what you're worth. I don't really say that because I think everyone's priceless, but charging in a way that'll support your business and get you to the revenue goals that you want or to get the salary that you want or, you know, whatever that may be, you have to learn to value yourself and what that means in practice in your life, your business, a career. So I see that the most, I think. 
you know, that's like, that's a deep one. <laughs> and I've seen that a lot and experienced it personally, just from owning my own business and like having to price things. And especially as you start to kind of grow or whatever. And the other thing is like, people will come at you with their own expectations and their own past, whatever, yeah. and kind of project that onto you with the sort of expectation. And it might not even be at all correlated to you as a person, you as a business owner, what you're offering, what you're worth. And it's entirely based off of them, what they want to pay and the respect or lack thereof that they have for whatever they're trying to get from you. So it's like always been very fascinating to me because I found at least personally, that can be hard too when you're, that's like the other wrench that's thrown in, like beyond just pricing yourself, it's also then dealing with when other people are trying to like haggle you on a price mm -hmm. or when they're like, well, so-and-so charges this much. So you should also do that. Or I have yeah. a budget of X, Y, Z. So you should just make it work. Like it's, it really messes with your mind if you're not it's, intentional it's very, about it. Very, very true. You know, it's, and this is why it's so important to do your own work around this and to learn how to stand in your own value so that you can then not people please your way you know, out of your business yeah. <laughs> by, you know, um, bending your pricing or, or bending your, um, you know, what you charge for things because someone else is coming at you with their own emotional lava. So um, not only do you need to do, you know, kind of dig in to do this work for your own valuing yourself, it is to help you stand in your value when someone else is trying to counteract it um, because they will, right? We're, we're taught yeah. that that's kind of how we're conditioned to see money sure. is how can we get the best deal? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So I want to dive into the actual nitty gritty of pricing yourself and like how to mentally approach that, but that's like the end game here. So let's take it back before we jump forward. Um, because I know we both have a similar distaste for a certain phrase, uh, fake it till you make it, Yeah. <laughs> but we're on the same page and like, it can just feel so fake and so inauthentic and our inner voices can be really good at calling BS when mm -hmm. they're like, mm, that ain't true. Um, and I feel like that's an interesting one to kind of dive into because while it's true that you can trick your brain, so to speak, into believing certain things and you can reprogram your thoughts and that's all very powerful and very effective and scientifically proven and all that jazz, faking something entirely might not always be the most effective way to grow or handle certain things. So can you kind of break that down for us and share mm -hmm. your sort of new and improved version of that idea? Yeah, it's, it's an, it's, you know, it's a nuance here. So it's, I always say grow it, own it till you grow it, you know, so you're owning the process. It's about the intention as opposed to faking it until you make it. Because if you're trying to put on a mask or fake something, your internal critic, your inner critic you know, I call them your inner kiddos, like, you know, any part of you that has been wounded around trust, um, it's not going to believe this process that you're trying to get it to do and it's going to work against you. So, um, and, and faking it is not aligned, right? Anything that's fake is not true and authentic. So I don't want you to fake it till you make it because you're not going to have the outcome you want. I want you to own the fact that this is really hard for me, right? Why is this hard for me? This is hard for me because, you know, there have been times in my life where I haven't felt valued. Um, there have been times in my life where, you know, being visible uh, in 
being seen by people, you know, made me feel like I could be in jeopardy because they might pickle me or bully me or make fun of me. So you have to own the experience that and the challenge that comes up for you around pricing and understand that you need to care for yourself while you're doing the work, not faking it. It is owning it and, and pushing yourself in small windows because particularly around this, this you know, childhood trauma piece, if I say to you, hey, Erica, go triple your prices right now, right? And we haven't done any work before that. You can go out there and fake it, but your nervous system does not have the capacity or this window of tolerance, we call it, to allow for that to be the case, right? So what are you going to do? You're going to start to back away from it. You're going to do behaviors that could be sabotaging because you just don't have the capacity, internal and nervous system capacity to allow that big, huge change in your pricing. Now, if we own it while we grow towards it, and we can talk about the intention about the money that you want to make, not what someone else told you need to make, then we can open that window in smaller chunks, help you, you know, feel more comfortable there, and then maybe open it again if you want to open it, and then open it again if you want to open it. So that's why I say own it while you grow it, because you can grow but if you put yourself in a fake it or make it situation, it is not sustainable. So what does that process then practically look like on the, I, I say consumer facing side, but we can also like break that down for the, mm -hmm. the non-business owners among us. It, this process of owning it where you're not necessarily broadcasting to the world, Hey, I'm working through this. So like, stay tuned. This yeah. is not, it's a, it's a work in progress. But, um, but also still gives you the grace and space to go at the pace that you need to go while you're doing the work, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're someone who is, um, maybe who doesn't have a business, like you don't have this direct, you know, line through here that if there's some other area of your life that you want to, um, own it while you grow it is, um, again, is to go through the process of saying, okay, so what is this big thing that I want to do that feels kind of scary, whether it's asking for a raise or leaving your job or setting boundaries with the other people? You know, um, I can't go into these situations and fake it because I won't feel secure um, and I won't feel like I am worthy or deserving of the outcome. I'm going to sabotage myself. So whatever that situation for you is, is asking yourself very clearly, what is it that I want? Right. What is the thing that I want that feels out of reach? And then ask yourself, OK, so where have I felt this way before where I felt like I was not deserving of this thing or it was too big for me? You know, where does that message come from that this is hard? And tap into that story for yourself and ask yourself, is this really true that I can't have this raise? Right. Is this really true that I can't get this new job? There's probably no evidence to that. So you're kind of challenging the evidence. You're setting the intention and then you're making small steps. Maybe it is that you are talking to someone about the raise that you want. Um, you know, maybe it is that you want a bigger, a bigger bonus or a raise, but you are going to go in increments because you know that's what will make you feel more comfortable um, as opposed to just jumping in with both feet. So there's a lot of different ways that this can look in your life, even if you don't have a business, you know, specifically. But the bottom line is here, fake it till you make it will not work for you under any circumstances. So it is 
own the situation, grow the circumstances and where you can be supported to get the outcome that you're looking for. Um, and then allow yourself to assess where you're at. And if you think you might like to grow a little bit more, do that process once again. What is the intention? How can I create the circumstances and support to grow it? And allow yourself to have it. And where do you see the line then between waiting for something or pushing slowly and steadily until you feel comfortable mm -hmm. versus jumping into the whole get comfortable being uncomfortable mm -hmm. idea um, yeah. and, and sitting in discomfort and telling yourself something mm -hmm. else, if that makes yeah. sense. Like where's kind of, where's kind of that line for you between uh, acknowledging how you're feeling and going off of that versus making certain intentional actions and then being mm -hmm. like, all right, nervous system, get on board here. Like this is, mm -hmm. this is the the direction and this is the truth and this is whatever. Yeah. I think again, it's, it's re your relationship with the process of acknowledging like, yeah, this feels really squidgy for me. And so I am going to, you know, find how do I support myself and feeling uncomfortable, right? Because I, I don't want you to feel like you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Life is uncomfortable. Um, and if you're comfortable, then you're not growing. It is, what is it that I need to do to support myself while I'm going through this process, no matter how small or big it is? Um, so it's really more about what is your relationship with the process that you're going through? Do, if you're pushing yourself, like let's say you're doing a big launch, right? Or you are making a move internationally. This is going to be uncomfortable. Like the whole process is going to be uncomfortable. I don't want to say to you and your nervous system, hey, just get used to it or just get comfortable with it or just deal with it, right? Well, there's a lot of messages that we get where people just say, just buck up, just deal with it, just get over it. Mm -mm. You need to be in relationship with the process of saying, yes, I feel uncomfortable. I'm willing to feel uncomfortable because I have this support. I have this person to talk to and I know what the goal is. Right. And these are the what this is the steps I'm willing to take to get there. And I'm going to let my nervous system adjust along the way. It's not about staying stagnant. It's about supporting your nervous system because your nervous system doesn't give a crap what the decision is or what the thing is that you're doing. It is going to go into fight, flight, freeze, yep. shut down, and it's going to shut you down. Right. So um, it's better to be in relationship with the process, recognizing what your nervous system needs learning what it needs, what you need in order to be in discomfort without completely breaking down and shutting down. Does that make sense? Kind of like totally. breaking it down. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it totally does. Um, and then when we hear things like money mindset too, I feel like this kind of segues right into the idea of limiting beliefs or mm -hmm. unconscious beliefs, these things that might come up while we're going through this process can you give us some examples of what these beliefs might look like or really what they would sound like in our brains mm -hmm. um, with regards to money specifically too? Because I'm yeah. sure as everyone is going through the going through this process and doing the work and owning things while they grow, all sorts of like feelings and things might start coming to the surface that are also yeah. uncomfortable. And you're like, whoa, apparently I believe this. Where did yeah. that come from? And like, unpacking those is like a whole is a whole therapy session right there so yeah it really is. <laughs> walk us through some of those and what yeah, they, a lot of the limiting beliefs that I see people struggle with pretty across the board is that um there's there's a limiting belief about what it means to have money or not have money so they have these biases that are playing underneath the surface so you know if you grew up in a household where um 
you know, people who had money were really spoken poorly about, right? You're as a kid, you're downloading this information, this belief that people who have money are evil or people who have money are problematic and that, you know, you should aspire to be a good human and that money can't be important to you. That's all I grew up with. And I grew up in the South in a Southern Baptist household, <laughs> um, watching, you know, Young and the Restless and all those things in the 80s where all of the people who had wealth were just really evil people. So, you know, all the messages I grew up with and downloaded into my subconscious were money's not important. You don't get to have that because you want to be a good person and the people who have it are bad, right? So that's a limiting belief. So if I get in a position where I'm like, hey, I actually would like to have more money, <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to not have a vow of poverty as a social worker. What can I do here? You have to battle up against that limiting belief to say, okay, so if I think that bad, if I have this belief that people who are wealthy are bad, I don't want to be bad. So I'm not going to do that because I will lose my people. I will lose the people I grew up with who have this similar belief. So we have to address some of those beliefs that we grew up with because they can hold us back. Um, so that's one example. Another one is a limiting belief around um, that um, I can't do better than my parents did. Like I feel guilty if I do better than they did. Um, I see that one a lot. And um, also a limiting belief that um, if I do better and have more then people will come for me. Like if you grew up in a family where the people who had money were constantly being asked for loans or being judged. Um, I have to work with so many people who limit their revenue because it makes them a target from their family because then their family sees them, it feels entitled to their their wealth. Um, so yeah, there's so many ways that limiting beliefs can come up. Um, but the most important one I want to say is that, um, you know, some of the law attraction stuff I, I struggle with because I feel like it's very, <laughs> I don't want to go too deep into it, but I, I feel like it's kind of gaslighty and, you know, po toxic positivity. But the mindset issue that is very true is that, you know, how you see yourself in relationship to money is what you will create. You know, it is what you will ask for yourself. So that is true. I'll throw my own, my own limiting money go for into it. the pot um, because I feel like something I realized as an adult, and naturally, of course, a lot of these come out as an adult because it's not like you're a child, like consciously being like, this is how I feel about money. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but I realized as an adult, I feel like as a child, I kind of downloaded the belief, so to speak, that there's just never enough and that mm -hmm. money is hard to earn, hard to keep, and that it's just, you'll never really have enough, like just kind of a general poor mindset, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. Um, and then I kind of realized that as an adult, because there was the point where I was hitting five-figure months consistently mm -hmm. and easily in my business, which was way more than I knew growing up. But I was there was still a part of me that was like, it's still not enough. You still mm -hmm. have to like double that. You still have to trip. And I realized I was like never really satisfied with a certain amount. And the bar just kept going higher. And I was like, whoa, baby, like I'm, I'm making more in my business than I ever knew growing up. And it's still somehow not enough. And somehow in here, some, some wire is crossed because this does not make logical sense. Yeah. So that was kind of one where it was just kind of like, yep, never enough, never enough. No matter what you did do. Did you, you ever you, figure out? Cause I see that too a lot. So did you ever figure out the not enoughness? And do you think 
that your um, career choices going to Wharton and doing these things were connected to that? I need to have enough money. Ooh, good question. No, I going to Wharton was not, that was more like I was the first person in my family to go to a university like that. And I think the first person in my high school to go Ivy league, like that was more just the achiever in me being like, mm -hmm. I'm going to go as high as I possibly can. Okay. Enneagram three, let's go, <laughs> let's do it. Um, and it also was not necessarily correlated because I started my business while in Wharton and mm -hmm. went, but I was absolutely not making <laughs> good money at the start like at the start it looked like I was crazy because I was starting a fashion blog instead of like pursuing top five management consulting firms and right. everyone was like what are you doing with your life and throwing <laughs> away your education like, yeah I get you it wasn't yeah like it totally wasn't this then um so I would say not necessarily that it was more so just something that came out the more I would goal set because it came up every time I would sit down to set goals and I was really finding myself struggling with it because I was like I don't even know how like do I just pick a random money number out of a hat like it's all more than I've ever known don't really know what I'm going to do with it and then I would find myself like giving it away <laughs> I would be really quick to like here like give it to this person or do this or whatever and and I learned along the way that apparently that was connected to money mindset issues, but too, but it all kind of was like, whoa, okay. It's like hard. It was hard for me to actually see certain numbers in my bank account because I was like having some sort of weird resistance to it. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're in good company. I see that happen a lot. And I have a client who has millions, you know, at their disposable and they don't ever feel like it's enough. I said, so what number will be enough? And they're like, I don't know. And I said, because it's not about the money. It's about feeling safe and secure. And I said, where did yeah. you not feel safe and secure? How do we help you feel safe and secure? Or are you addicted to achieving like that? That's how you value yourself. So if you meet a goal, you're like, yeah, well, that's no fun. Let me set another one because this is how I value myself by achievement and achieving goals. So I'm going to keep moving the needle, you know, so it is very, it can be very complicated. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, that hits home. Can you speak to those sort of money caps or ceilings too? Because I know that I've also heard talk about that where you have sort of like a mental block around a certain number. And then no matter what you're doing, it always seems to kind of like stay stuck at that number or come back to that number. Cause I don't, I don't totally understand like the science behind that, but I feel like it's really interesting where like when you're trying to break, break above the next threshold. Yeah. It's fascinating. And I, at the beginning of my my work. I wasn't exactly sure about this. I thought it was just a limiting belief of, yeah. I can't, my, I can't see myself as someone who makes this kind of money. So I keep defaulting to a certain revenue, you know, or a certain salary. Um, and I was seeing people defaulting their income within like dollars every year, even people who own businesses and had more control over what they, you know, could make. And, and, Initially, we were looking at it from a limiting belief or a mindset issue. And I said, I just don't think <laughs> that your, first of all, your nervous system has capacity for that number yet. So we have to build your nervous system's capacity to be able to hold that. And also, the more money that you get outside of what you're comfort comfortable with, it becomes like this nebulous thing. You lose your connection to it. You lose your relationship to it. It becomes just this like vagueness that's kind of hard to attach to. 
Um, and so it's about learning how to, again, attach to the money at those different levels, because if, if it feels uncomfortable, it's, you know, jacking up your nervous system <laughs> and you can't see what you look like with that revenue or that money that's coming in, you're going to let it go because it feels uncomfortable and unsafe to your nervous system. So that's why people were defaulting back to a number that they could, they could attach to. It was like an attachment thing. Okay. So now you have to tell us like, if, if this is all about retraining your nervous system to in this situation, how the heck does someone do that? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I you teach people a lot is, is, you know, first of all, recognizing how do you tend to react when you are, you know, hitting up against the trigger like that? Do you freeze? You know, do you kind of go into, do you want to run away from it? You know, because giving the money away, that's running away from it. You know, do you fight? Do you meet a revenue goal and you're like, that's not enough. I'm going to get more, you know, like, what is your thing? So we have to kind of figure out what their thing is. Uh, but when we understand what that is, then we are retraining your brain and your nervous system to build capacity towards that way. And one of the things that we can do is, first of all, you have to know your numbers. People want to hide from their numbers. You have to know your numbers. So you stay in relationship with the numbers. You are looking at your bank account. You are um, you know, involved in your bookkeeping. And I know it sounds really boring, but it is part of that process of you have to relate to your money. You have to be in connection and commitment with it. But another piece of that is visualizing um, and spending some time rec- you know, kind of visualizing, okay, so what is it about this number that feels unsafe to me? And where would I like to be with this number? So I kind of look at it as, you know, you can write down that that goal that you have for yourself, that financial goal, write it down here and then write down your name beside it. It's almost like you're holding hands and say, what would we do with this together, right? So let's let's create a vision of what my life would look like with this um, so that when it, when it comes, I know where it's going. I know what I want to save. I want to know what I want to give away. I already know what I'm going to invest. I already know what I want to put back into my business or into my family so that your money has somewhere to go. Because if it doesn't know where to go, it's just going to sit out there and just feel very um, big and unwieldy. So it is creating the money story that you're moving to is part of that process. I like that because it's still different than fake it till you make it, which I feel like is an important uh, thing to call out because some people might automatically be like, wait a minute, now we're faking it till we make it. But no, because you're not saying that like you already have this and you're not like doing that. You're just having a plan set in place and you're setting everything out with intention um, and creating a vision for your life, for your money, for your business, for any of that. And that's very, that's a very healthy practice to do. Like knowing, you know, knowing the end goal is kind of one of the most important pieces here to be able to backwards plan how to get there. So you're not just like, putting your GPS in your car and then being like, all right, take me wherever. Like you have to have a destination in mind here. So being able to have the destination and then kind of work backwards in tandem with it, totally different than just like BSing your nervous system to be like, yeah, I'm already a superstar. Let's go. Exactly. Exactly. It's, It's not, you know, it is definitely not that I, my theory is that, you know, I believe that when you start, when you open a business or start a business, that you enter into a relationship. You are not your business. It's like you are not your career. It is something that you are in a relationship with. And so therefore, 
you are very likely to recreate some of the attachment patterns, some of the relational patterns that you grew up with in that relationship. I wrote about that in my book, How to Love Your Business, where I recognized that I had created a really toxic relationship with my business because of my childhood trauma. So, and it's what all my clients you know, deal with too is, so it's the same thing with money, right? Money, you are not money. It is, it's something outside of you and it's, it's subjective, you know, because of it's money's just a whole other topic. But anyway, it is something outside of you that you are relating to. So you're in relationship with it. You are forming attachment with it. You are deciding where it's going to go. And if you don't have a secure attachment with it, if you don't have a vision for what that million dollar mark means for you, you will not have the capacity for it and you will give it away. You will sabotage it. Um, there, Something will happen or you won't feel solid when you get there. So I always look at it from a relationship standpoint that you have to build the relationship with your money. Yeah, I think that's so smart. Uh, can you tell us some other like small things that anyone can do, business owner or not, to just start feeling worthy of the money they're making and kind of kickstart this positive relationship, especially if someone's listening and they're like, whoa, I realize not a good relationship. We're in a little bit of a toxic place, whatever the case might be. What are just kind of like some small changes that are not overwhelming, easy peasy that people yeah. can do to just kind of start moving in the right direction wherever they're at in their life right now? Mm -hmm. Yes. And this is where some of the mindset stuff that I teach actually can be useful to start into the process. You know, it's more has to be done, but you can start doing this. The first thing is to um, be express gratitude for what you have. You know, if, if we are not grateful and connected to what we have right now, it's going to be very difficult for us to believe that we can have more, right? Because why would, why would your nervous system want more of something that you already feel really conflicted about? not gonna not gonna do it so it's expressing some gratitude practice when it comes to having the money that you have now the resources that you have now and not just money like what other resources do you have time friends family support um, and also paying attention to how you speak about money if you're always saying I don't have enough I can't afford that um, you know words do matter so start to recognize what you are saying about the money that you have now yeah that's so good well, Nicole, we want to get things wrapped up by asking you what we ask everyone on the show, which is what does thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? So thriving means to me that you've gotten beyond just the baseline of existing and surviving and that you know who you are, you know what you want to do, you know, you've assessed all your resources and the people that support you and that you're just riding that wave, man, in the best way possible. You're looking down on the ocean and um, you know, you've, you've taken the steps that you needed to, to get to that top point. And, you know, you're allowing yourself to enjoy the fruits of your labor and your desires at that point. So tell everyone where they can find you online to connect with you more. So the best place to find me is my website, which is nicole.lewis-keeper.com. And you can find all the things about me, how I work with people, you know, link to my book, how to love your business. And there's also, if you are a business owner and entrepreneur and you're curious, you can uh, download a trauma and entrepreneurship assessment. If you're curious about how childhood trauma may be impacting your business, you can download that assessment there or just get on my newsletter if you want to find out what's going on with me. I am on TikTok at The Business Therapist, which is where I have the most fun, actually. So if you're a TikTok person, uh, join me there. 
Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.